0: Hello, I'm Rabbi Iggy, and welcome to Tattoos and Torah. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tattoos and Torah. Thank you for joining us. I'm Rabbi Iggy out of the Truva Center. This weekend, we are commemorating the ninth day of Av, the ninth day of the month of Av. As some of you may know, there are two calendars in Jewish life. There's the regular calendar we all use, the Gregorian calendar, and then there is a Hebrew calendar. Um, We are in the month of Av, and on the ninth day of Av, which is happening um, this weekend, we are commemorating the second most important fast day, in the Jewish calendar the first one of course being Yom Kippur in the High Holidays it's coming up in September but in Jewish life the second most important one is the ninth of Av which is a day of fasting and mourning and there are four big fasts um, in Jewish life this one coming up is perhaps one of the most famous ones because of all the disasters all the pogroms all the horrible um, tragedies that happen on this particular day or at least are attributed to this particular day um, most importantly this is um, the day that we recognize as the day that we all went into the diaspora this is the day that we are expelled from the land of israel or at least some of us are expelled from the land of israel the jews of the time who are celebrating around the Temple, which is destroyed on the 9th of Av. On the 9th of Av, we commemorate this huge tragedy, this um, catastrophe in Jewish life. Up until that moment, most of Jewish life was centered around the Temple in Jerusalem. And all of Jewish life had this focal point that united a lot of the different fractions in Judaism, that united a lot of different ways people were thinking about Judaism. Um, But once that has gone, um, a set of events take place that leads into what we have now, which is rabbinical Judaism. Um, namely the endeavors of the talmud and later on rabbis to try and understand how to maintain how to reinterpret how to create a judaism that does not revolve around the temple and does not revolve around the majority of jewish life to be in israel there is always jews living in israel there is a continuous um, jewish life in the land but a lot of the people um, are exiled into the different parts of the diaspora um in fact that's probably why there's so many jews outside in america these days throughout this diaspora which is a huge and important center but that's for a different podcast so the ninth day of Av, while we commemorate this destruction of this temple um, also has a lot of different elements that um, fall into this day and why we commemorate with such a um, with such a a heavy sigh and with so many traditions of mourning that is we fast of course from sunset to sundown Um, there is uh, a lot of other traditions that are associated with this holiday Uh, we're not going to go into all of them but it is uh, a day of uh, mourning Um, much like a death um there are other elements that uh, are happening around this time um so the expulsion of jews from uh from the uk from england uh on the 18th of july uh, 1290 um where edward the first um sends out all the jews um and those who stay will be executed he decrees um the uh, great expulsion from Jews from France by Philip the fourth this is this 22nd of July in 1306 um, also of course the expulsion of the Jews from Spain 1492 that's the 31st of July um, the uh, break of the first world war uh, happens around this time as well uh, 28th of July in 1914 of course um, and um, During the Holocaust, uh, in July of 1942, um, the Vichy government, um, at the time in France, of course, um, imprisons the Jews of Paris, um, and uh, then right before Tisha B'Av sends them to concentration camp. So there's a lot of different um, tragedies within Jewish life that happen around this time as well the traditional way of looking at tisha bav like i said is that this is the cataclysmic moment excuse me that really changes everything and that's true but one of the things i want to talk about today is not just sort of about tisha bav but about what does that teach us especially in terms of seeking a life of meaning and in recovery you see tisha bav is problematic for me sometimes because By the time tisha bav rolls around um it is a done deal the story of tisha bav which we'll talk about in a minute or or the reason that leads to this destruction is already in place when tisha bav hits tisha bav is the inevitable conclusion of a whole set of events that we had a chance to change that is perhaps tishabav should not be the second most important fast perhaps the second most important fast should be the fast of the tenth day of tevet which happens um months before tishabav see the tenth day of tevet uh also one of the four fast days but a minor fast um is the day that the siege on jerusalem starts in 588 before the common era when nebuchadnezzar um (coughs) sorry (coughs) in 588 before the common era when the siege starts by nebuchadnezzar who is the king of babylonia on jerusalem that's the moment that we had a chance to change things that's the moment where we could have made peace with the babylonian that's the moment that we could have said to ourselves okay let's see how we can coexist let's really weed out the the fractions within us that are the zealots because they are responsible for the destruction of the temple as well since they wanted to fight it is in those moments that we still have a choice to change something because we didn't do that on the 10th day of tevet And then we didn't do anything in the next fast, which is the 17th day of Tammuz. By the time Tisha B'Av, the ninth day of Av, comes around, it is a foregone conclusion. We don't have a choice by then. Then it's just paying the price, the consequences of our action. And many times I think that, sort of, if perhaps we had more voices of reason at that time before. When we can change still something, when we can say to ourselves, is this really what we want? What is this path that we're going on? The old intervention of play the tape out. What will happen after this? What do we think will happen? Are we engaged in magical thinking or are we looking at this from a realistic point of view? If we are not engaged in self-examination, if we are not engaged in looking at what we are doing and the consequences, even the long-term consequences of what we do or the possibilities of those consequences, then we are living in a bit of an illusion. If we cannot really think about our motivation, if we cannot think about what this would lead to, yes, by the end of the day, there will be destruction. There will be chaos and worse in this case of course there was a lot of death and whether we want to talk about personal death or metaphorical death if we don't take a moment to stop and think about the consequences of our actions something is going to happen so while we commemorate of course the destruction of the temple that day the destruction of the temple that day starts months before that and when we consider consequences we might have stopped it so I, i really believe that while we of course mourn the destruction of the center of jewish life the golden era of judaism in many ways we have to think about what led to it and what led to it is a lot of hate a lot of strife a lot of zealotry a lot of fascism, not to be anachronistic about it. When we don't examine how the people around us are affected by our actions, when we don't examine how we affect others by our actions, when we choose to be pigheaded, when we choose to put blinders up when we choose to not lead with compassion, those are those moments that we really regret later because then the foregone conclusion is in fact destruction when we think about tisha B'av, and one of the amazing things about i think our traditions is that here we are thousands of years later we're still commemorating tisha B'av, even though right the temple is long gone and the judaism that we have rabbinical judaism is a consequence of that as well um, is part of what we are doing in terms to find our spirituality to find our recovery to look at how we reinvent ourselves over and over again to allow ourselves to always grow we do this because we now take a moment to think about how we learn those lessons of tisha bav and how do we teach them of course to ourselves and to the other generation rabbi yosef Dov soloveitchik one of the um teachers of mine in spirit the people that i admire in what they write and how they think um wrote and i might have read it before in a different podcast he writes what does a teacher do he tells a story what is the nature of the story that has been told and retold hundreds of times through the generation We tell the children the story of laws which form the foundation of Jewish morality. We tell them the story of honesty and sincerity, love and sympathy. This story is meant to teach the child not to steal, not to lie, not to be vindictive. We also try to tell the child the story of statues whose meaning we do not fully grasp. We tell him the story and the laws whose rationale is beyond our grasp of man's surrender to his maker. The story of the suspension of human judgment in deference to a higher will. We also tell the child the story of people who get to meet God and join him in a covenant, who engage the Almighty in a dialogue. We tell the child the story of our past. We help the child develop a historical memory. We train the child not to forget past events, We tell the child the story of our confrontation with God in the desert. We urge the child to not forget our liberation from bondage and our encounter with Amalek, the destructive Satan. We teach the child to be loyal to those memories, to the land, to a sanctuary. We not only tell stories describing events, we tell stories participating in the re-experience of events which transpired millennia ago. To tell a story is to relive the event. We still sit on the floor and moan the destruction of the sanctuary, an event which took place 1900 years ago. We still celebrate the Exodus, an event which lies at the dawn of our history. Our stories are concerned not only with the past, but with the future as well. We tell our children the story of patiently waiting for the great realization of a promise no matter how slow the realization is not coming. In short, it is an exciting story that we tell them. It is the story of a teaching community which cuts across ages encompassing people who lived millennia ago, who made their contribution to the Knesset Israel and have left the stage. We also tell them the story of people who at some point in the distant future will enter the historical stage. Our story unites countless generations, present, past, and future, merge into one great experience. So Levechik describes this beautifully on teaching those stories, on taking a moment, pausing for a second on Tisha B'Av and other holidays and other days of commemoration to think about the consequences, to think about the story, to think about where we are linked to the story we are the ones in this present that have to tell the stories of our past so that we can create the stories of our future we have to participate in it not just tell it as something that we need to maybe just remember but how to use this in our day-to-day life how to take this moment and examine ourselves how to take inventory how to understand how we are just a chain In the middle of this story and we have to tell our story our personal story and of course our family stories our nation story when we do that we get to use our sovereignty we get to use our choice we get to take action we always have a choice even those people on the tenth day of Tevet had a choice you have a choice I have a choice always people may say oh I don't have any choices but the reality is that that's not true you always have a choice people confuse having a choice with not willing not able to pay the price for those choices the consequences of those choices you always have a choice you may not want to pay the price of what that means you may not want to pay the price of breaking something up or changing or going somewhere or protecting somebody else or protecting yourself, but don't confuse choice with unwilling to pay the consequences of your choice. As sovereign being, we always have choices and it's important to distinguish those two because we have to look at how we get to make those choices. And how do we get to make sure that we understand the prices of every choice for both good choices and less good choices? This is a difficult thing. There's no doubt. But if Tishabhav is standing for anything, it stands for that. The last two things I want to talk about in terms of these choices, and one of the things that I think is important on Tishabhav. Is looking at the story of Tishabav and looking at something we can do. So, one of the most famous stories around Tishabav is the story of Kamtsa and Bal Kamtsa. It's a very famous story that appears in the Talmud and it tells a story of a wealthy man who lived in this first century and he has a big party coming on. He sends his servants to send an invitation to his friend. A person called kamta however his servant um, at the time of course um, it's not right these days but that's who it was at the time the servant makes a mistake and invites instead of kamta invites somebody called bar kamta this particular person bar kamta is an enemy of this wealthy man somebody he doesn't like Balkamta gets the invitation thinks maybe this is sort of a sign of a truce maybe i don't know um and he comes to the party when the host sees him he goes up to them and says like what are you doing here get out Balkamta says oh you invited me well you know don't throw me out now i'm already here don't embarrass me the host says, "No, get out." And Balkamsa says, "I will pay for what I eat and what I drink." The host says, "No, get out." He says, "Well, I will pay for half of what everybody eats and drink." The host says, "No." He says, "I will pay for the entire party. Just don't embarrass me and throw me out." But the host insists and throws him out. Humiliated, Balkamsa, of course, Um, wants revenge not just against the host but he wants revenge against the people who were sitting there the rabbis who were present and did not defend him did not say to the host come on let him stay did not say please don't embarrass him publicly the set of events that follow as he seeks this revenge set the motion in place the Romans get involved and eventually lead to the destruction of the temple the story leads to a very basic tenant in jewish life which is that the second temple was destroyed by senseless hatred it was destroyed because the hosts the people standing there the bystanders who didn't do anything those did not do anything to stop it those rabbis who could have protested the hosts who could have had compassion had senseless hatred that senseless hatred led to the destruction of the temple in many ways if there's senseless hatred there should be senseless love senseless compassion which is something that we teach all the time our ability to have senseless love and compassion to others so in this tisha B'av, perhaps we can think about that senseless love charity there is a different piece of talmud in a different tractate baba batra that teaches that rabbi yehuda says great is charity in that it advances the redemption as it says so says the lord uphold justice and do charity for my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. He would say, Ten strong entities were created in the world, one stronger than the other. A mountain is strong, but iron, which is stronger, cleaves it. Iron is strong, but fire melts it. Fire is strong, but water extinguishes it. Water is strong, but clouds bear it. Clouds are strong, but wind disperses them wind is strong but the human body withstands it the human body is strong but fear breaks it fear is strong but wine dispels it wine is strong but sleep strives it off and death is the stronger than all of them but charity saves a person's from death as it is written and charity delivers from deaths well Charity can't save us from physical death. Charity can save us from metaphorical death. Charity, compassion, is the strongest thing of all. Connection to others, our ability to do well, to do good, our ability to help others, to connect to others in our community, to look at those who have less than us, Charity is about money, but charity is also about time and attention and dignity. Our ability to use charity to dispel all the bad things in our lives, to make us not just feel better ourselves, but to actually do better for others and the world. When we think through the lens of charity and compassion, when we think about those things that change the world, in this moment in tisha this weekend we should consider how our actions our charity can change the world for the better because we know that our hate our ignorance our fears our phobias all those have ruined the world for the worst thank you so much for listening I'm Rabbi Igele of the Tshuva Center. This is Tattoos and Torah. We will see you next week.